0: at fbcaa.org/live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postif opens God's word. Okay. Thank you. Good morning everybody. We're all set. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. And a cup of cold water will not be forgotten. <clears throat> thank you any prayer requests this morning folks while you're thinking about that if there are any viewers on the live stream this morning from hiawatha bible church we want to welcome you i just was alerted that hiawatha has no electricity which means they have no water which means they have no bathrooms and lights and other things so Uh, If you are watching this morning, thank you for doing that. We really appreciate that. This is our adult Bible study, a.k.a. Sunday School Hour, and here we are. So we usually take some prayer requests to begin. uh, uh, Strain or something like that. Wow, she really did a number on herself. Well, need to bring an advocate with you to those kinds of doctor's appointments. Yes, was there somebody else? Yes. Yeah, I don't know what the number is. I haven't paid attention after we got ours on. We were very grateful, <laughs> but it's been a very bad year for that here. Many outages at our building here and also at, at uh, homes around. We had three, at least three basements or four flooded in the church family this week. We assisted with a couple of those. Uh, a generator in one case, uh, hauling that to the home and getting it hooked up, and then uh, clean up in another case. So... A lot of work that way. Anybody else? All right, let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, I pray that you will watch over us. And today may it be a good day, not just because it makes us feel good, but because we will be able to know that we've heard and understood the word of God and that we have reciprocated, as it were, in worship toward you. That we have not just come here to consume but to give, to serve, to love one another. I pray, Lord, for this uh, matter of uh, health for Becky's sister. We don't understand what has happened there with her straining herself so that it's difficult for her, almost impossible, to walk. Uh, So we pray that you'd give her grace and help her through the pain and the suffering. Help her to be patient and uh, receive good care Uh, for whatever the problem is that is bothering her. And Lord, we pray, too, for those who are uh, enduring the great inconvenience of not having uh, the servant of electricity at their disposal, which makes things much more difficult. And uh, Lord, some have concern of uh, spoiled food and a lot of finances uh, invested, so to speak, in that food, and maybe uh, are even concerned that they might not be able to make ends meet this month, so we pray that you would help them, help them if they are part of a church family, to be able to make that known and receive assistance that might be uh, available to them. Help us now as we begin uh, looking at a study that has been on my heart for a while, and uh, caution... uh, care for us, Lord, and uh, help us take caution in this matter uh, because it's so important. We thank you for it. We pray your blessing. Thank you for those visiting today. We pray for the students that are back, and we pray that we'll be able to reach a number of them and uh, bring them to the church and have them become involved and, and provide a good, um, oh, what could we say, a refuge away from the craziness on the campus. Uh and may when students come Lord may they be able to focus their attention on the things of God and set aside the school and sports and social things for a while and give attention to their souls thank you in Jesus name amen so we talked about uh, all the different areas of Christian doctrine, really, that you might want to share with somebody, and the practical matters like spiritual disciplines that we talked about a number of weeks ago in a small series. Um, and so those are important to keep in mind. And I think both uh, the utility of that little message was twofold, really. It was to help us to review what we need to know, kind of the basics, but also and, and about the disciplines, but then also how can we share with others and that fact, the fact that we need to be sharing this material with other people as i said very often before biblical or bible literacy is at a very low ebb in uh, our land uh, it's never been like you know top priority it's not like they have all kinds of uh, classes on it at cambridge and oxford and all of that sort of thing but uh, you know or u michigan and so on but still uh, we we are responsible for disseminating that information. So I wanted to begin a uh, taking you through some of what I'm learning by reading a book that I've shared uh, that that was shared with me some time ago, and it's called Shepherding a Child's Heart. Has anybody read that book? You've read that book. One person, a couple people have read that book. You've read that a long time ago. Well, it should be a good review for us um this would kind of fall under the heading of parenting of course or family christian family life and uh, it's a big burden for me and let me say uh you might say well what you know what credentials do you have for teaching this kind of class um not that you would say that in a kind of you know negative way but i was just thinking about it kind of this morning and thinking, what what makes me able to teach this? And, uh, well, one is that we have the Scriptures, and the Scriptures are sufficient for all things pertaining to life and godliness. God has given us all the things that we need here for life and godliness. Uh, reading resources that are scripturally based with that same philosophy are helpful. It is helpful to do that because we don't know, can't know everything, and you know we can't necessarily have all the... You know, horsepower upstairs to uh, put it all together in an organized fashion. But we have the Bible, and so we're going to look at uh, one just to start with in Ephesians six, which is very familiar to you. But uh, we'll just make a couple of comments about it, and then um, get into a little bit more of this. But the other, the, the other thing that I would say about parenting is that some of us—I'll put—I'll just talk about myself—have a good deal of experience in parenting, 18 and a half years. But I'm not going to claim that all my experience was good experience. You understand what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, we have experience, but it's not all necessarily been good. There have been a lot of bumps or potholes along the way. And uh, especially, I think, uh, especially with your first, uh, you make a few mistakes, or many mistakes, and, uh, you know, when you look back 18 years, it's not possible to undo all of those mistakes or any of them. You know what I mean? So you can feel a level of regret about, you know, how you did with parenting, but even in that, you have to trust the Lord, right? And You have to recognize, too, that there is not a, there's not a deterministic, uh, program that you can use that will, by deterministic, I mean that will determine the outcome. Because there are two, we'll say two parties. We'll say the parents, hopefully they're unified as one party, and then there's the child. And you can do a very good job of parenting. Nobody's going to do a perfect job. You can do a decent job, a halfway decent job. You can have a decent home and uh, you know, be involved in the things of God. But that doesn't mean that the outcome is going to be what you hope for it to be, because there is another heart there—not just your parents, the parents' heart or hearts, but the child's heart—and so our job is uh, about shepherding, shepherding those hearts. And uh, just because you do a good job of shepherding, doesn't mean the sheep won't decide to go astray, right? And that hurts. But Ephesians chapter 6, it says in uh, verse 4, And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let me go back to verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Now, I'm going to actually uh, touch on that in my morning message in Luke um, there'll be a little part of that message that is maybe a little bit humorous or a little depressing to you, depending on your perspective. But uh, there is a, a section that has to do with uh, age and uh, longevity. Um, but this is an interesting uh, section because it, it gives an outcome. It's a commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And there are practical reasons why that's the case. Um, and, uh, you know, human reasons, we could say, but also blessings from God for people who live a godly kind of lifestyle. Notice that it says children are to obey because it's right, and they're to honor their father and mother. So it's not just obedience. Uh, And this actually touches on the theme, really, of the book Shepherding a Child's Heart by Trip, and that is that we're not talking about merely external obedience. It's nice when children are obedient. In fact, it's nice when adults are obedient to God. (laughs) Um, But that's not the only issue. As you're well aware, uh, external obedience is one thing, but external obedience without internal honor is like hypocrisy. You know what I mean? You conform external obedience to a standard, but if that standard is not embraced or held to by the child, then they're just obeying it because that's just kind of the way to get by and get the reward or whatever. So it's an an external obedience only. Here, Paul deals with, and and not only Paul, but the scriptures uh, deal with the external as well as the internal, honoring uh, father and mother. And that is what comes with a promise. Uh, so I would say that it's not just external obedience that comes with a promise. It's obedience and honor that comes with that promise. Oh, I obeyed my parents. Yeah, but did you do so from your heart? Did you, do really, did you really do that? But then really my focus was on chapter 6, verse 4. And then uh, it says, "...you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord." Focus on the last part of that verse. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So there's a goal that's built into there. Your goal is to get them to the up part. (laughs) Bring them up. Uh, Raise them. Uh, You're raising adults. You're raising future adults if your kids are small, not uh, children only, per se, and then it says in the admonition or instruction, and then as I was meditating on this verse, I just landed on that last little phrase. What does that last phrase say? Just look at that. Of the Lord. What does that mean? What does that mean? Of the Lord. You ask, why is the pastor getting out his phone right now? He's going to do some messaging or what? I'm actually going to go to Ephesians six in the Greek New Testament. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. It's a single word in Greek. the 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 phrase the prepositional phrase in English of the Lord is a single word in Greek kuriou, which comes from kurias, and that is the word for Lord. But the spelling at the end of it, the o u ending kuriou indicates that it's a genitive case. Okay, I probably lost some of you already, right? But uh, nominative case is for the subject, accusative case is for what, and The direct object. The, direct object, the, uh, the uh, genitive, let me see, nominative, genitive, dative case is for what, and Indirect objects. And the genitive case, the genitive case is for a whole lot of stuff. It's often kind of in first-year Greek, we talk about it as a case that indicates possession, but it, cause, because it can indicate possession. Um, it's like when we write a word and then we put an apostrophe S after it, that's all that is, it's a different spelling for the word to indicate that it has a different function in the sentence. Um, so apostrophe S in English, O-U ending here, it's of the Lord. Now it doesn't indicate possession per se here, The instruction or training and admonition hmm, possessed by the Lord? No, that's not really the nuance that's being conveyed. Uh, What would be the nuance conveyed? What's that? Okay, that's a good good question or a good statement. Anne has suggested that it's a genitive of source. The the training and admonition that comes from the Lord, uh, it could be a genitive of content, training and admonition about the Lord or which contents are concerning the Lord. You see that? So there's, when you come to the finer distinctions of, okay, this is a genitive, we all can see that. Well, some of us can see that, but if we're we're studying it and we have to say, okay, which of the You know, I'm I'm making this number up, but which of the twenty different variations of the genitive could it be? That's what third semester Greek is all about: learning those categories and uh, trying to you know understand what which one applies in which case. And different commentators or different pastors are going to look at that and they're going to say, "Well, pastor, it's it's definitely source," and other one somebody else is going to definitely content, and you know, like this, and make a big argument about it. Not really, but uh, so there is some you know, room for uh, trying to understand what that means. So, But it's the training and admonition of the Lord. It certainly comes from the Lord because he's, it's got to be biblically based and it's got to be about the Lord because that's what the scriptures are about, about the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ and so on. So you're bringing them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Well, the uh, title, any comments or questions? Yes. Yes, nurture and admonition. So there, there's no argument about what the Greek text is there as far as I understand. It's just a matter of translation. That uh, If you look up that Greek word in the Greek dictionary, you'll see that it's, it can be translated as nurture or training or instruction, the bringing up you know, from the youth of a child, and uh, admonition or warning. Uh, there's, there's a, it's like the, the words kind of overlap a little bit. You know, and their meaning. So, nurture is a warm, more warm, fuzzy kind of word. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's interesting that you mention that because um, Paul talks about a similar kind of thing uh, in 1 Thessalonians um, when he talks about. them, when they came amongst the Thessalonians, they were gentle among them, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. They were affectionately longing for the Thessalonians. This, these are using now illustrations of parent from parenting to illustrate how Paul was ministering amongst the Thessalonians in their little baby church there. Um, and then uh, they wanted to impart the gospel to them and so on. And then uh, it says down in 1 Thessalonians 2, uh, 10, your witnesses how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among those who believe, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. So Paul had uh, kind of a little bit of a motherly ministry and a fatherly type of ministry towards the people in Thessalonica. And uh, we have that as a, in the you know, Christian ministry as well. It's, it's a pastor I, I can say, I understand exactly what he's talking about. Sometimes you minister to a certain person who's weak in accordance with how they're weak, or you minister to somebody who is misbehaving, and you have to admonish them like a father admonishes a child who's misbehaving, that sort of thing. In any case, um, shepherding a child's heart. Is far more than shepherding their external conduct. And if you turn your Bible to Proverbs chapter 4, please. Any of us who are believers are going to resonate with this kind of material because it's strictly, you know, it's drawn right from the Bible and will remind us of some very important truths. That we may have overlooked or in the moment of parenting, when it comes when frustration overwhelms us or um, you know uh, the difficulty of the situation or our own nature, our own hearts get in the way, you know probably should have a uh, probably should have a message called shepherding a parent's heart because that's what <laughs> that's what needs to happen for parents. To shepherd a child's heart. But in Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 20, it says, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues. Of life. Um, that's a it's a good picture, isn't it? Think of a well. Okay. Now this this well that he's picturing here, this well seems to be a bubbling kind of well, not just a stagnant well that's sitting there, doing nothing, but it's a well that's producing something, almost like a well spring, and It's the source of what's coming out. So if you have a problem with uh, the surrounding area, you might look to see what is at the heart of that area. area. If there's there's a lot of iron coming up out of that uh, well, that's the reason why it's all orange around there. Have you seen that before? I walked a property a little while ago that had a nice uh, lake, and it had a an area with a stream that went through it. And in there, you could see a couple of spots where water was just bubbling up. There's just a spring there, and it was feeding that uh, feeding that lake and feeding that river. And you could see where all around there was just kind of this orange color because it was bringing up iron from from beneath and in, in the water uh, system. Um, what else was I going to say about that? So. Well, we'll look at some verses that, that uh, touch on that subject some more. But the heart, uh, and I highlighted a few phrases that in, in the reading of the first part of this text that I'm looking at and sharing with you. The heart is the control center for life. The behavior a person exhibits is an expression of the overflow of the heart. The heart determines behavior. The basic issue is always what is going on in the heart. These are just kind of selections here. They're not one big paragraph. Discipline. He says, must address attitudes of the heart. Parenting is concerned with shepherding the heart. You must learn to work from the behavior you see back to the heart, exposing heart issues. So the heart, when we say it's the center uh, expression or center of, of life, think about the heart. I mean, it is kind of at the center, the physical heart. We're not talking about the physical heart, but we're just illustrating when there's something wrong with that, then there's a lot of problems, aren't there, in the in the body? If you have if you have a blockage in the heart, uh, if you have a, a bad rhythm in the heart, too fast, too slow, you have uh, you know hypoplastic left heart syndrome, where the left part of the heart is not developed properly. When you have a valve that's not opening and closing properly, that's gotten stiff, when you have an aneurysm, um, you have a lot of problems right at the center of your being. You know, you can do without your foot, but you can't do without your heart. Bad situation. So that's a, a physical kind of medical illustration, but the heart is, in the Bible, it's the center. It's the seat of personality. It's the very center of who you are uh, the center of your thinking. We probably more prefer to use the mind, um, the the will, the thinking part of us. That's how we think of it. We kind of locate it here, you know, the brain. But because of biblical theology and the addition of um, emotion as part of the heart, we've kind of carried on that metaphor of the heart as that center of personality. Maybe we think of the brain as, you know, I'm Thinking with your brain is like different than thinking with your emotions. You know what I mean? Like, so when you put those together, maybe you think of that more as heart rather than brain. But the heart is the wellspring of life. In there you think, you remember, you know, you discern, or you're deceived. You store things up for the future. You see things. You hate things in your heart. You fear things. You grieve. You have pride there. Love is there. You turn away from sin, hopefully or you turn away from God, you turn toward God hopefully, or you turn toward sin, you pray in your heart, rejoice, you meditate, uh, you love God there, you're faithful uh, there, you have integrity in your heart, or your heart can become hard, like Pharaoh's heart was hardened, your heart can set up idols in it. Ezekiel talks about you've set up your idols in your heart you can seek God with your heart, you can repent with your heart, you can believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, for instance. Those are all things that happen in that very seat of your existence, the very innermost part of your being. So let's look at a couple of other portions of it. First Samuel chapter 16. I really uh, don't have to go here to this passage, but You'll be super familiar with it. If you haven't memorized the address, you know the content. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord knew the, the quality of the well that he was looking at with Eliab. And Samuel's looking and saying, boy, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said, no, that's not the one. And then they went through the rest of the list of all the sons and uh, brought David finally to him. David was a man after another heart, wasn't he? All right, Deuteronomy 10:12. let's look at that. We're just driving home the uh, point here. Deuteronomy ten twelve. it says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? That's a tough, a tough uh, order, isn't it? How can you do that? You know that's impossible to do that on your own? We'll get to the reason why. Actually, well, since we're in Deuteronomy close by, let's just go to Deuteronomy 30. We'll go there right now. Deuteronomy 30 and verse number 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants... To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. And this is also in Deuteronomy 10.16. Uh, you've heard me say this before. I'll say it again. Uh, circumcision of the heart is what? How would, you, how would you explain it in other theological terms? You remember me saying that before, Tim? Circumcision of the heart is equal to what doctrine, what uh, concept? We have the answer, regeneration. Okay, Circumcision of the heart is what happens when somebody is saved. God has to do that work. I wish sometimes I could do that work. You know what I'm saying? Like, just fix the problem. It's obvious. You know, the person that's in darkness, they can't see... They can't see. Why? Because they're in darkness. And you're looking and you're saying, I see I see your problem. You're in darkness and you need to have your heart circumcised. Well, that's, only, that's a work that God does. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. All we can do is cry out to him in faith and say, God, save me from myself, from my sin. Let's go f- forward to 2 Chronicles, please. Chapter 16. Turned right there. Second Chronicles 16. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. i just stop there with that. Uh, I'm sorry, that's 16.9 uh, of 2 Chronicles 16.9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose, and here's the phrase for us, whose heart is loyal to to him. He knows that because he sees the heart. And you you know you we we need to be humble about ourselves, but I think we can say with some level of certainty I hope we can say with some level of certainty this phrase, my heart is loyal to the Lord. Can you say that? My heart is loyal to the Lord. Now, I'm going to trust him to watch out for me like he's talked about here. But I'm not, I'm not gonna be like so arrogant about it that I say I never have any disloyalty, any little fraction of it's sin, right? But in general, my heart is loyal to the Lord, is yours. And God sees that, but that's your children. You know, for us, when we, uh, ha- after we had Daniel, we have uh, two parents that are Christians and three children that are not—we're outnumbered. We have three hearts in the home that are unsaved hearts. Now we like to say we're a Christian family. Well, that's all good, but you know when it's two fifths of it are Christian, actually, is it really a Christian family or is it not a Christian family? Adults count more, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're bigger. <laughs> we run. We run the show, so, but it's true. I mean, we try to have a Christian home. You know, we run it with Christian principles, and uh, you know, we witness to the children and share the word of God with them, and so on. Let's go to First Kings. You know, we're going back and forth, back and forth. First Kings chapter eight. First Kings eight and uh, this great prayer of dedication in the end of it, towards the end of it, 1 Kings 8, 57. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us nor forsake us. Here it is, that he may incline our hearts to himself to walk in his ways, sorry, to walk in all his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments which he commanded, our fathers have you ever prayed Lord incline my heart to fear your name that's in the Psalms I wish I remember the address right now but I don't (laughs) incline my heart to fear your name don't let me have a double-minded way about myself don't let me be uh, too-hearted about it or have a divided heart you know what a divided heart is right you want to have one foot over in the world and you want to have one foot over in the in the church You know, you have this conviction, this conscience feeling like, i got to be over here, but I want to be over here. So you're pulled in both directions. But you can pray, God, give me a united heart, incline my heart to fear your name. Well, those are just Old Testament truths. Nothing's changed in the modern era. It's all still the same. But we can uh, go to Matthew's Gospel and see a couple of... well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, <clears throat> we'll look at uh, a couple of others. Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9 to begin. And the Lord confronts about this matter of defilement. And uh, he says to the scribes and Pharisees, Matthew 15, verse 8. Matthew 15, verse 8. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But what? What? That wellspring of life out of which issues all the things of life, their heart is far from me. In the center of their being, they don't have a loyal heart to God. They don't want to have that. They want to be loyal to something else. By the way, if you don't have God at the center of your loyalty, what are you? An idolater, because you have something else there, okay? Okay. Yeah, idolatry is not only bowing down to wooden statues or gold-covered, you know, statues. Uh, So their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now drop down to verse 16, Uh, So um, actually 15. Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed, here's the wellspring of life, proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Here at the very center of the, of the being of a person is the heart which is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17.9. And out of it springs all of these things. That's The defilement is already there. You can't be defiled by eating a ham sandwich. okay? And the Lord is showing them that is the case. So eating with unwashed hands might... You know, give you a stomach bug, but it doesn't make you worse spiritually uh, than you would have been. That's Matthew chapter 15. Whatever is going on in the heart, our author here says uh, in this, the book that I'm reading is ultimately expressed in behavior. So whatever is going on in our behavior cannot be understood in isolation from the heart. Um, Mark 17, or sorry, Mark seven, really talks about the same thing when it talks about the parable that the Lord taught, and, and he uh, answered the question of the disciples, "Are you lacking an understanding? Don't you understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him?" Because it does not go into his heart, but in his stomach and is eliminated. They had enough biological understanding to know about the alimentary canal and that it was not directly connected to the heart. And so, it's the same thing. Now, I, w- I was thinking just now as I was reading this, I, maybe we should uh, write, out of the heart proceed, uh, the, let's write the, uh, in our minds the opposite of this. The heart, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries. That's for the unsaved person. What about for the saved person? What arises from the heart of a saved person? Love, joy, joy. We're going to talk about fruit of the spirit now. Okay, you're one step ahead of me. Uh, worship, what's that? Compassion. Out of the heart of a believer are going to well up these sorts of things, praise to God, prayer, uh, those sorts of things. Maybe you could uh, write the list and ask yourself, well, that's what the Bible says should well up from the heart of a believer because my heart has been circumcised. It's been enlivened, it's been awakened, it's been inclined to fear God, it's been uh, united, and so on. Um, Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, we're going to be there in a while in our series in Luke, uh, quite a while maybe, Uh, Luke chapter (laughs) 6, verse uh, 43, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit, for every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. There it is right there. We, we can't, we're given a list of what the good fruit looks like. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. We've run out of time, but let me just use an illustration. Uh, we have and uh, apple tree at our house. We used to have have two, but one died. So out came the chainsaw for that poor little thing. But, um, and then it went into the fire. But uh, we have this apple tree, it's still producing. And it was so heavy on the west side this year where it gets the most sun, uh, during these recent storms, two very large branches have just crashed to the ground. So our plan was to let, because it's still connected to the tree, we figure there's still some life there flowing. So we're gonna let that go. And we've just recently been harvesting the apples, tons of them and enjoying some plain applesauce and also cranberry applesauce. And boy, it is delicious. No, no pies yet. They're not, they don't seem to be really great apples for pies, I guess, but I'm not, I'm not really an expert on making apple pies. I'm on eating them, but not on making them. Um, So uh, we're going to let those ripen, then we'll cut those off. But that tree is producing good, good fruit. In fact, the the whole tree needs to be pruned, and I didn't want to prune off this area where it was producing. I wanted to prune off some other. But uh, imagine a tree that is, you know, you're trying to impress your your guests, and uh, it's not producing anything. But you go and you tie on some fruits to make it look like it's fruitful. Okay, you're making it try to make it look like a good tree. But at the heart of that tree, it's not good. It's not fruitful. It's like the tree that the Lord said, you know, why why is this tree cumbering the ground? Let's just cut it down and use the ground for something else. And remember the guy said the, the, the steward said, Oh well we'll we'll fertilize it and see what happens to it. By taking a child and tying on good behaviors, you're not changing the heart of the tree, are you? So while good behavior is important and it's necessary and it's an expression of honoring and obedience to parents, it's woefully inadequate when it comes to the heart change that's necessary in the child. So we'll try to talk more about this in upcoming weeks. Uh, If you have any questions for me, you want to Send them over by email or or ask uh, when I have a pen in hand, and I can write them down so i don 't forget them on a paper that i don 't lose or get cleaned out of you know um, but I would appreciate you know any direction that you might have as far as questions that you'd like to think about it's a big topic, and as I said, our experience may not be um, perfect on it, but we need to think about it I think and uh, try to help our our youngsters. Uh, I'm gonna hold it there for now, and we'll think about this some more together next time. Father, uh, thank you for allowing us the opportunity, and privilege to spend some time here today on these matters. Help us to be convinced that our job as parents is not merely external conformity, but uh, the hard work of shepherding a heart, several hearts in many of our cases, younger hearts, older hearts, hearts that may have been uh, damaged, hearts that may have been confused, hearts that start out dark and maybe still continue in that state. I don't know, but we uh, ask, Father, for each one, each of our children. Lord, I pray for each parent here today that you will help them not to be cynical about parenting or to be uh, upset or frustrated about it, but to engage the task, the hard work, much more difficult to uh, work on changing hearts than it is on changing behavior. So we pray for your help to be those kind of shepherds. Thank you for your kindness uh, in this matter and for your forgiveness when we fall short, which we all who have been parents have woefully at times And demonstrating the problems in our own hearts. Lord, we confess that before you and ask that you would help us to conform to your word and not to the wisdom of the world or that whichever we've made up in our own little autonomous minds. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.